0: All right, let's get right down to it. New episode, the Detroit or Motor City, Mitten State. Nick Bradley here. You know the drill. big day for football. Well, big weekend, actually. Not a big day. Today's Tuesday. Really, not shit's happened. Charles Bradley decided, mm, transfer portal, not for me. I'll come back to state. I don't know why you enter the transfer portal for 24 hours. I think he got offered by Oklahoma, Colorado, as far as I know, according to what I read on Twitter, 24 hours? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just seeing what's out there for a day. Maybe he was bluffing. I don't really fucking know. Um, But he's going to come back to Michigan State. The bigger news at MSU, Peyton Thorne, he's gone. Keon Coleman, he wants to go too, apparently. Word on the street, Mel Tucker, sit down in the office. They're still trying to make him offers. They're still trying to keep him in the green and white, rightfully so. He was one of our better players last year. Probably would be our best player this year. Ideally, on successful football teams, you don't let your best players leave for no reason. So I like that out of the staff. Hopefully they can get Keon to come back. But if not, fuck him. Honestly, I don't fucking care. Peyton Thorne, fuck him, dude. Good luck. Hope you have a great career. Fuck him. That's how I feel. I was talking to my buddies after this all happened the other day. Why do we have to do the whole, like, college they're college athletes like good luck wherever they go hey thanks for everything good luck I understand that they're 18 19 20 21 I get it I'm 25 I feel like I'm 19 still 21 actually I'd say I feel like I'm 21 still but do we like it's fucking sports we talk about how it's a business pro athletes leave your free agent your captain John Tavares when he left the Islanders no New York Islanders fan is running around going, I hope he has all the success in the world with the Maple Leafs. They were going, fuck that guy. LeBron, he left Cleveland. People were burning his jerseys in trash cans. Why do we need to do the whole, oh, he was the best. I hope he has the best career. Thanks so much for everything you did. Why can't I just go, you know what, dude? We had a tough season last year. We were 5-7. and seven. Mel Tucker is going into a year where it's a little bit of results time. I'm not saying win 9-10 games, but it's win 7 or 8 games for sure. It's win seven games uh, and you want to jump when the fire starting to get hot. Fuck them. That's how I feel about it, dude. Think about every other aspect of your life. Think about your friends, the girl, your parents. Like any time that it gets go, the, 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 the fuck, any time the going gets tough, people you thought you were close with, people you thought you had in your corner decide, hey, you know what? This guy, he's got. He lost his job. He's kind of falling apart. He's not been in the best mood lately. Maybe he's in a funk. Whatever it is, I don't care. I'm gonna abandon ship. I'm gonna go find some new friends. You know what? I'm gonna abandon ship. I'm gonna break up with this dude. I'm gonna go find a different boyfriend. Anybody who does that in your personal life, are you going? Hey, I hope they. I wish nothing but the best. If we were all fucking Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, I can't talk today. If we were all Gandhi, if we were all Buddha. Ideally, yeah, it's, hey, you broke up with me after three years. I hope you get live happily ever after with somebody else. Hey, you've been my best friend since the second grade, but now that I lost my job and I'm on my ass, you don't want to talk to me anymore. Hope you have a great life. Ideally, that's how the human experience would go. That's not how it goes. Nothing in personal life, when people bail on you, when people kick you to the curb, when you need a little bit of support, that person you thought you could count on jumps, nobody is like, Hey, I hope, I hope it works out for you. Hey, I hope you have the best life ever. We all go, fuck him, Fuck that dude. I, you don't want me. I don't want you, dude. Doesn't matter. Now, if Keon comes back to MSU, I'll be cheering him on. I hope he has a thousand yards. I hope he has 50 touchdowns. I hope he leads us to a Rose bowl fucking season. I, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and go, this guy stinks as he's catching a 60 yard touchdown pass for us. I'm not going to do that. But as it stands right now, if he stays cool, if not, I don't fucking care. I hate doing the whole let's everybody be friends and I don't care that people want to leave. Fuck them, man. If you're not with us, you're against us, especially coming from Detroit. Like we see it with our other sports teams, forget sports though, you see it with the city, especially throughout the 2000s. Everybody, Detroit versus everybody, that's a thing. Nobody when people leave the Lions, people leave the Red Wings. Like if Larkin played hardball with Steve Yzerman and went and took a lesser deal or an equivalent deal somewhere else. Nobody uh, Red Wings fan-wise would be going, yeah, man. Dylan just wanted to do what was the best for him that he thought. So, like, I hope he has a great career and everything works out. We'd all be going, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Took the same contract to go play somewhere else. Fuck that guy. That's what we would all be doing. And I might be harsh. I don't think it is. It's not personal. I don't know any of these people. Keon Payton. They're probably great guys, whatever it is. But I don't I don't like doing this whole, like, I got to be fake sad and I got to be fake supportive and I got to be fake, oh, you're the best, what a great decision. I hope everything works out. Why, why do we need to do that whole fake song and dance just because they're, oh, they're college athletes? Everybody says it's a business. Just like coaches explore, players are exploring now. Keon wants to go get more money. It's a business. Dude, by all means. By all means, if someone forget, I don't know what he's getting offered. If someone offered me 20 grand, to jump ship from my job, to move apartments, to start a new podcast, like whatever the case is. If someone offered me $20,000 right now, I'd go, fucking see ya. I'm out. I'm going with the guy who's giving me a fat sack of money. That's what I'd be doing. I don't blame him one bit. But on the flip side, like if you're going to make that choice, you got to understand the repercussions that come with it. People that used to root for you, people that were counting on you, with our backs against the wall this past season, we know – We're in a little bit – it's maybe not hot water, but the water's a little warm. The water, it's starting to come to a boil here. And now you want to bail on us? Like Mel Tucker, Keon Coleman's a guy Mel Tucker was counting on. He got him in at at the end of that 2022 recruiting class, pulled him out of Louisiana. It was a great find for Tuck. It was a hell of a snag with him coming in at the fucking 11th hour of that recruiting cycle. Obviously, Keon didn't do too much as a freshman. We saw him kind of break out last year. Everybody, nobody more than Mel Tucker was counting on that dude to pull us up from five and seven, to bounce back a little bit, to win those seven, hopefully eight games, to give Michigan more of a run for their money, to win that game against Washington and East Lansing. Everybody in the football program was counting on that dude. It's not like it's some bench guy, the fourth wide receiver, someone who, yeah, maybe he plays a little bit of a part, but you can live without him. He's not irreplaceable. It's your best fucking player. It's a guy, I'm sure, Jay Johnson, whatever the hell he does in his free time, assuming he does a little bit of offensive coordinating during his summers, I would imagine Jay Johnson was writing up some plans thinking, how do we get Key on the ball more? How do I exploit having a 6'4 monster on the outside that nobody can cover one-on-one? I'm sure that was a little bit in Jay Johnson's plans. I'm sure at the end of the year last year, when Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson and the coaches all met, there was a little bit of discussion. We got to utilize Keon more. You saw it in the Michigan game. Granted, we got smoked. Keon doing Randy Moss shit wouldn't have saved us. But you saw in the first half of that game, he scored the touchdown. We couldn't run the ball for shit. The only time that offense moved the ball against U of M this past year was just throwing it up to Keon Coleman. Keon, one-on-one, go straight, fucking outjump the guy and take it from him. And it kept working. It worked throughout that first half. Was it 7-7 or 10-7 or 14-7? It was a good game at half. Michigan State was keeping their offense off the field a little bit. You'd like to score more than seven points, but they were moving the ball, flipping field position, picking up a few first downs, and you go back and watch that game. It's because all we were doing successfully offensively was, hey, Keon, I know this is probably getting old. Uh, I know it's not the most creative. I know we've run this play eight times already today, but why don't you hit him with a fake slant? Go straight. Once you hit the first down marker, Peyton's just going to lob it up down there and you just go be better than everybody else on the field. Like, that's a guy that we had. That's an option that we had offensively. I would imagine, with no Jaden Reed coming back, I would imagine realizing, hey, the run game, it wasn't like 2021. We couldn't just blindly say, turn around and give it to number nine, and the rest will take care of itself. I would imagine coming into this season, coming into this offseason, MSU and the staff were a little bit more like, okay, we got to figure out how to get our best players the football. Even if our best player's in the backfield, if that offensive line can't block anybody, we're going to be in trouble. We've got playmakers that we know can win their matchups on the outside, no matter who they go against, whether it's Michigan's defense, Ohio State's defense, it doesn't matter. We got a guy that can win. Let's figure out how to get him the ball and how to take advantage of that mismatch as frequently as possible. And he just ups and he's out. He's out the door. Fuck him. I, I I I don't care if people are like, oh, that's not very – oh, you shouldn't say that. Oh, that's bad taste, classless. Is it classless? He's going to go to LSU. He's going to go to Auburn. He's going to go wherever he wants. I'm sure he'll be productive. The guy's nasty at football. He's going to be a top-two-round draft pick if he goes to fucking Macomb Community College. He's going to be a top-two-round draft pick next year's draft. I don't need to sit here and pretend – To do the rah, rah, Keon, go have a Heisman season wearing colors that aren't green and white. I don't need to do that. To me, that's almost more insulting. Like, just being totally disingenuous. Pretending like I'm going to be sitting here on Saturdays watching him ball out in LSU colors. Going, that's our boy. Fucking happy to see him having a good year. I won't give a fuck, personally. I won't care. But even if I did watch him, I'd be a little bit resentful. I'd be like, fuck this guy, dude. God, he fucking left us. We needed him. We were done. Mel, this is a crucial year. He's our best fucking player, and he just skipped town like that. Fuck that guy. I'd rather be honest. I'd rather be authentic, even if it is a little bit negative, even if it is a little bit harsh, than do a fake. Put on a smile. Hey, he's our guy. Thanks for those two years. You're the man. I hope you tear it up. I'd rather be honest than be dishonest and positive rather be honest and harsh than dishonest and positive. That's kind of how I feel about these guys. Um, Peyton, not so much because Peyton's situation is different for a few reasons. Peyton's situation is different both from his perspective and as a fan and as his coaching staff's perspective. Like we know. I made the videos. I did the Twitter space over the weekend. It was Defcon Fuck It 5. I couldn't wait to record this podcast to talk about it. But we know what Peyton Thorne is like if you watched Michigan State last season you know what Peyton is he's a solid QB he's a fine player he'll make some throws he'll miss th- some throws every once in a while he'll make a play with his legs um he's going to miss some open guys he's going to he's going to hit some open guys he's going to read the defense sometimes he won't and he's going to throw it into triple fucking coverage sometimes he's going to look extremely athletic and like he should be able to extend plays consistently and other times it's going to look like he runs a nine second 40. That's just, that's what he is without an offensive line, without a run game. The guy's fine. He's average. He, I don't know. I don't know. Like if it's a Detroit Lions situation where you've got the stacked offensive line, you've got the run game. You've got a couple weapons that can win one-on-one. Yeah. He'll be a solid player for you. Yeah. He'll get the job done. If you need anything more than that from the quarterback position, like if you're counting, on your QB to make plays that probably shouldn't be made. If you're going to count on your QB to fix a broken play, I don't know if Peyton Thorne is your guy. Plain and simple. Um, I was saying it throughout the season last year. I think after the Washington game is kind of when I was like, all right, I don't know if it's certainly make the quarterback change time, but it is let's think about it time. That's what I was saying after the Washington game. After we got steamrolled by Minnesota, I think after we lost to Maryland, at that point I was fully on board with, like, let's try somebody else. I know Noah Kim's barely played. I know he looks good when he gets in the game. Granted, it's against, like, Western Michigan's backups. I understand, like, the sample size on him isn't very good. I know Caden Hauser's just a freshman. I get that there was moving parts and there was no heir apparent that we know we can count on that could maybe deliver even at the level of Peyton Thorne. But my feeling was halfway through the season last year, like, dude, we know, we know what the guy is and we know it's not enough. Plain and simple. He was great when he had Kenneth Walker. He was great when you ran a play action pass and everybody was open because half the team shit their pants at the thought of number nine coming at them in the open field. He was great when he had Jalen Naylor, when he had Jaden Reed, when Keon Coleman wasn't even seeing the field. He was fucking incredible, dude. Right. He made plays. He's breaking records. We're scoring points. We're hitting explosive deep balls. He was the man. But then as soon as Kenneth Walker goes away, the offensive line takes a step back. And now we need quarterback. We need number 10 to shoulder more of the burden. He just wasn't up to it. He wasn't up to it in the way that we needed him to be to win football games. Forget that, to be competitive in some of these football games. So it's tough for me to get super worked up about Peyton Thorne. You know, we had the great year in 2021. He was the quarterback of that team that beat Michigan in that crazy game. Uh, He was the quarterback the year we had Kenneth Walker. He made some big-time throws over the course of that season, including that Michigan game, that throw to Jaden Reed on the just the smash fade that got him down to the one-yard line. That's, I think, one of the better throws I've seen as a Michigan State fan. He did some things. Nobody can take that away from him. He'll have his moments, and he'll have his place in history – At Michigan State, but him leaving is a little different than Keon. Um, We've got the guys waiting in the wings with Noah Kim and Hauser that we kind of think, or at least I believe a lot of the fan base kind of thinks, at some point they're going to be successor, whether it's this year or the following. At some point, one of these guys is going to take the throne from Peyton Thorne. Maybe that kind of let him out the door. Mel Tucker sat him down, had the conversation. Maybe Mel Tucker told him that he thought Noah Kim looked better. Maybe he thought Kaden Hauser was the guy. Maybe all Mel Tucker said was, look, Peyton, I-, I know you're the upperclassman. I know you've got the experience. I know you've been the guy the past two years, but this is a new year. This is a different team. What we did last year was not even fucking close to being good enough. We're going to keep all our options open. We're going to let this competition extend up until the first day of September. And at that point, we'll figure out, maybe the may the best man win. If that's you, you'll be the quarterback. If that's one of the other guys, you'll be a backup, plain and simple. Maybe that's all that was said. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody fucking knows. Not even the insiders that everybody praises on Twitter as much as I like them. Nobody knows. That's between Mel Tucker. It's between Peyton Thorne. Maybe that's what drove him out the door. And look, if Mel Tucker telling him, I'm not going to guarantee you the job, We're going to see what happens these other guys got some potential. We're going to see how the offense works with all three of you and may the best man win. If that's the conversation that was had and that led Peyton Thorne to the the decision of, you know what, Maybe, maybe Michigan State's not for me after all, then so be it. We don't need a guy like that. Competition breeds success. You don't go to Ohio State and say, if I'm not the starting quarterback this year, I'm out. That's not how that shit works. It's not how it works at Alabama. It's not how it works at Michigan. J.J. McCarthy, dude, barely played his freshman year. Won a big Ten. Cade Cade McNamara, he gets booted. He transfers. That's just how it works. None of this is guaranteed at the highest levels. It's not going to be guaranteed at Michigan State. So I like – I guess I don't know if – I don't know. I mean, I I would appreciate and I would respect – Mel Tucker and the staff, like if that's what drove him out the door, I got no fucking problem. Now, if it's something else, if it's Peyton Thorne going, yeah, I'm going to be the starter, but I don't know. We just don't have it here this season. We look awfully similar to last year's offense. I'm going to go to Auburn. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to boost my draft stock. I'm going to take my career off the ground a little bit further. I don't know which way it went. If the latter is in fact the way it did, I don't really get that. Like Peyton... You got to be confident to be a quarterback at any level of the game of football, certainly at the division one level. Um, I would assume you have to have some level of like delusional confidence, famous people, musicians, actors, all those people always talk about that. Like you have to believe in yourself no matter what, when everybody's telling you you're not good enough, you still have to believe I can respect that. But from an unbiased objective point of view, like we just talked about the 2021 or 2022 Peyton Thorne we saw I don't know if going to Auburn is like changing Peyton Thorne's career. I don't know if going wherever he's thinking about going is going to necessarily change things. Now, if it's just that he wants to be sure he's going to play, it's his last year in college football. He knows he's not going pro. He wants one more season where he's going to be the starter for 12 games. If that's what it comes down to for him, I get it if he just wants to play and whether it's not guaranteed or just flat out, he's not going to be the guy at MSU. Fair enough. Go get your PT. Go be happy. Go do what you think's best for you. If it's the other way around though, where he's like MSU doesn't have what I need. I just don't, I just don't understand from his point of view. But again, I'm not super heartbroken. I'm not super down bad. Um, I could really care less that Peyton Thorne's gone. If anything, I kind of like it, you know, If he is the best QB in camp right now, like if it is still clear cut, you know, there's a lot of talk around Kim Hauser, but Peyton Thorne's the best quarterback in that room. You go watch practice. He's the best player. You watch scrimmage. He's the best player. If he is the clear cut best QB and he still wants out, that's a little bit more of a bummer because again, you want to keep the best players on the team at all times. It doesn't feel like it was headed that way. After what we saw last season, I just don't see a world in which Peyton, like take some crazy jump and his world's better than he was last year. I kind of like, let's just get it over with dude. Let's get the fucking youth movement started already. I wanted it to get started last year. I understood the reasoning behind letting Peyton ride it out. He's the experienced guy. At this point, we were already like two and four or whatever it was, changing the quarterback and putting in a sophomore or a freshman. That's not really, that's not really saving your season the worst thing you, you could do is shoot one of their confidence, get one of them injured, stunt their growth, whatever the case is. I understood the logic of, fuck it, dude. this season's a lost cause. Let the guy, let the junior just finish it out. I just don't see a world in which he made some crazy strides and there is that difference between him, Kim, and Hauser. Even if they're all the same, I'm fine with it, dude. Let's get the youth movement. We always knew it was going to be Kim, Most of us, myself included, have been saying, or at least we're under the impression, maybe just the hope, that this would be Caden Hauser's year. Four star recruit coming out of college or coming out of high school, right down the street here in Bellflower, California, hotbed for football talent. If you're a four star, if you're the QB at St. John Bosco's, you're fucking nasty at quarterback. On the flip side, Peyton Thorne coming out of Naperville. I don't know if he was even a three star, was going to go to Western. His dad comes to state. All right, he'll come to state too a lot of different moving parts. <clears throat> I certainly thought it would be Caden's year. If it's Kim's year, so be it. I want the best player to play no matter who it is, but we've all kind of known the day Caden Hauser committed. I think all of us MSU fans who, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I have my finger on the pulse. Cause like, I don't talk to anybody. I have my finger on the pulse of a fan base. Uh, I think I have my finger on the pulse as far as like what I see and what I think should be happening, what the plan of attack moving forward should be. We all knew it was going to be Kim or ideally Hauser's time at some point. So if Peyton's a little hesitant, he doesn't want to battle it out, whatever the case is, dude, I'm fine. Let's let's fucking get it over with. Let's get the new guys in there ASAP. Let's get Caden Hauser some in-game reps. Let's see what Noah Kim looks like against starters. Let's see what else we have. We knew we knew Peyton Thorne in 2022. We knew that's not going to be good enough. That's not going to be good enough for our ultimate goals. Peyton Thorne, he might be good enough to win seven, maybe eight games this next year. Who knows? He's not going to be good enough to, to make those plays that you need to beat Michigan the way they're going. He's not good enough to make those plays you're going to need to beat an Ohio State the way we're going. Some of the friskier teams in the conference, like Purdue, when they beat us, when they give other teams a run for their money, it's because Aiden O'Connell, he just got drafted. Maryland, kind of a frisky team, gave Michigan a little bit of a run. Talia Tagovailoa, fucking dangerous quarterback. You don't need that great of an offensive line. You don't need a lethal run game when you got a guy like that back there. Payton wasn't that guy. Peyton isn't that guy. One of these other two, they might be, or at least they might be closer to it. So I'm fine with let's just fucking see. Let's give these new guys a chance. He doesn't want to be here. We don't need him anyway. Good luck. Fuck him though. You want to bail? Be my guest, dude. I'm not gonna sit here and f- have a funeral. For Peyton Thorne, just because he wants to get more PT, just because he doesn't want to battle it out, just because a freshman or a sophomore or a junior may or may not get the start week one. Good luck. Fuck him. The Keon thing's a little bit more upsetting just because it's not a question of Keon sitting there going, shit, am I going to get reps? Am I going to get targets this year? There is nobody like breathing down Keon Coleman's neck. There's nobody that's going to take Keon Coleman's job. I have a hard, Hard time believing Mel Tucker and Keon Coleman had a conversation in which Mel Tucker said, Hey Keon, I know you were great last year, but some of these other guys are pretty fucking good. You might move down the depth chart this year. We won't know for sure until week one. I have a hard time believing that conversation was had. We know Jeremy Bernard, he transferred out, I think back to Washington. And the word on the street there was he wanted a guarantee that he was going to be a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two or get X amount of targets. And Mel Tucker was kind of like, Dude, that's fucking nuts. That's not how it works here. If you win the job, if you're the best player, you'll be the best receiver. You'll be the number one wide receiver. If you're the second best player, you run the second best routes, you got the second best hands, you'll get the second most targets. I like that. Nobody's bigger than the program. You can't bend the knee to a guy like Jeremy Bernard, all due respect, just because he's fucking trying to hold you hostage. I'm going to transfer if you don't throw it to me 80 times that's bullshit, he can go too. I have a hard time believing the Keon situation was similar just because, like, fucking everybody knows, dude. Anybody with eyeballs. Go ask Michigan fans. Go ask Ohio State fans. Go ask Penn State fans. All these people who hate our fan base and try and shit on us and will make fun of us. Go ask any of them, and if they're going to be objective, they'll tell you Keon Coleman is a savage. All of those fan bases would like Keon Coleman to join their team. I don't know who's reached out to him. I don't know who he has his eye on in the portal. I don't know anything about his situation. Supposedly there's tampering going on. Um, I don't fucking care. But there was no Keon. Hey, you're gonna move down the depth chart. Keon was our guy. He's our best offensive player, probably the best player overall. Letting him go is no bueno. And he may still come back. I'd be surprised. That'd be a weird move to to hit the portal and then decide. Actually, you know what? I'll stay. It'd be a strange move. Maybe it's because he didn't want to play with Peyton. Now that there's the idea that there'll be new quarterbacks throwing to him, he's a little more intrigued. Maybe it's just money. Maybe he wants to go back to Louisiana where he's from. I don't fucking know. What I do know is this, tampering or not, NIL or not, quarterback play or not, as Mel Tucker, a guy who we brought to Michigan State with a calling card of acquiring talent and stocking the shelves in a way MSU's never had them stocked, both in recruiting high schoolers, recruiting the portal. And you'd think it's a given maintaining the talent that you already have in the building. Like that's on Mel. I don't give a fuck. If Brian Kelly was in Keon's DMS on midnight after the Michigan game, I don't give a fuck. If Oklahoma backed up a Brinks truck to wonders, I don't give a fuck. If Oklahoma promised his family, a mansion overlooking the stadium, I don't care about any of that for a couple of reasons. One, Just excuses. Like, at some point, we got to stop. At some point in the Mel Tucker era, the guy makes 95 mil. He's the head football coach. Even if he made five bucks an hour, at some point, he's our head football coach. You're not going to be successful if you make excuses for everything. And number two, Michigan State is worth a fucking trillion dollars. You can't tell me we can't pony up whatever Oklahoma, LSU, any other program wants to pay somebody. I understand if they're like, hey, we'll give Keon a million bucks. I get it, dude. Wide receiver's not a five-star fucking quarterback. I get it. Wide receiver's not Chase Young. I understand wide receiver's not the most game-breaking position. It's not Kenneth Walker being able to touch the ball just by turning around and handing it to him. I get it. But if State wanted anybody that badly, if State needed to match an offer, they absolutely could. So I won't accept the NIL as an excuse. I won't accept the tampering as an excuse. It's part of the fucking game. Other coaches want your good players. Mel Tucker, he's talking to commits at Georgia. Mel Tucker, he's talking to guys committed to Michigan. Mel Tucker, he's tampering too. I'm sure it's part of the fucking deal. When you come in with a reputation as a guy who harvests talent, who can build an SEC level championship roster, Because as he said as himself, he knows what it looks like from his time at Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. When you come in with that as your calling card, I don't accept excuses for why you're letting your best football player walk out of the building. I can't. I just can't. Now, I'm not saying the program's dead. Mel Tucker stinks. We got to look at finding somebody new. The guy can't do anything. I'm not saying that. That's one thing that bothers me about – like I post the videos on TikTok or Twitter, Instagram, wherever – And it's like I I spend 60 seconds, 60 seconds talking about Mel Tucker and Keon going out the building, and I'm sitting there going, dude, Mel, that's on you. You cannot allow that to happen. Like forget even losing your best football player. You can't let that happen because it sends a message. Recruits right now are like, damn, bro, those guys just went five and seven. Their backs are already kind of against the wall. Mel Tucker is making a shit ton of money. It's starting. This is the first season where people are going to hold his feet to the fire in the wins and losses column. Last year sucked. He got the free pass. We didn't have the roster. We're rebuilding. He's filling in for D'Antonio's guys. Whatever you want to say to make yourself feel better and let it. I was doing it. We were all doing it. It's fine. But this is going to be the first year where it's like, okay, Mel. I'm not asking you to win 10 games. I am asking you to win seven, though. I know the schedule's hard. You make a shit ton of money, though. You're getting paid $9.5 million a year to figure out how to win games when the schedule's hard. More so than losing a good wide receiver, just the message of, in this context, like where the program is at right now, the class of 2024, isn't moving at all. We're making no progress. You need to win more games this year. Your quarterback's out, and you're going to let your best player go out the fucking door when he's poised for an even bigger season than last year, the optics suck. The optics suck. It is what it is. I'm not going to freak out about it anymore because you can't, dude. Everybody, well, this guy from Grand Valley, Alabama Speedster, looking at Michigan State. Whoa, who cares if we lose Keon? We're getting all these other guys. We're losing a very good player. Mel Tucker's thing is acquiring, bringing in, retaining talent. Those that Those don't mesh. Losing your best player and being a master at acquiring talent – that doesn't go together. It is what it is. Now, now it's like the fall. Let's see what happens in the fall. I'm done with the transfers. I'm done with recruiting. We gotta see it in the fall. Qu- God damn, dude! It's not a great weekend. Not a great weekend for MSU football. But we're past it. Greener pastures. We're moving on. We're going to win some games. Fuck them. We've got other good players on the roster. We got young wide receivers, uh, excuse me, that are hungry. Mel Tucker's going to go get some people out of the portal. Mel Tucker will eventually add to the class of 2024. Excuse me. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. That's the thing, Al. It's like, even if this class was the number one recruiting class in the country, even if we brought in every sick transfer in all of college football, even if Keon doubled down and said, I'm never fucking leaving. This year, it's going to come down to the field. Like this year, there's going to be no, well, wait till he gets his guys. Yes, a lot of Mel Tucker's guys are still younger. They're going to be sophomores. They're going to be juniors. Yes, there is still a roster to be built. Yes, we do need more talent to compete. With the Ohio States, Michigan's, Penn States of the world, yes, that's all true. Yes, even if we go 0 and 12 or 12 and 0, that will remain true. Yes, but this is the first year where it's like we need to see some results. Now, I've said this before. I think this year, if you go six and six, that's a little disappointing. But that's the absolute floor. You cannot win fewer than six games if you're Mel this year. You can't people are going to flip out. People are going to call for your head. That seat is going to be hotter than hot. It is not going to be a good situation. If you win seven games, okay, we can work with that. And if one of those wins happens to be Michigan, we can work with that. It'll be all right. We'll hold off till next year. Let him get his guys in. We'll regurgitate the same shit we've been saying the last three years. Okay, if you win eight games or more, great. If he goes eight and four, that is a very good season. I had some people, again, in the mentions on some of these videos going, whoa, eight and four. He's got to win nine games or more this season. He's making 95 mil. Like, yeah, I I know he's making 95 mil. I know he's being paid like one of the best coaches. I know he's being paid to win more than eight games. I understand. But you still have to look at the context of where this roster was when he took over. You still have to look at the context of, even though he has had a couple recruiting classes, those guys are still sophomores, juniors. You have to look at the context. Ohio State's Ohio State. Michigan's better than they've been in my entire life. Penn state is still Penn state. They're always going to be pretty good. And then you've got Washington. Who's going to be a wagon. You've got like, Iowa is no walk in the park. It's a big 10 schedule regardless to think that like, you got to win nine more nine games or more. Otherwise it's a failure this season. That's crazy. That's crazy for MSU. That's crazy for MSU in year three or four, whatever it is this season for Mel Tucker for that to be like the minimum, it better be nine games or this guy's out. That's crazy. If he wins eight games, if he goes eight and four, that's a very good season, I would say. If he wins nine, if he wins nine, that's incredible. 10, fucking unreal. Unreal if he wins 10 games somehow. Don't think it's likely. I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely. If he goes seven and five, I won't be particularly happy. I won't be particularly upset. I'll go, okay, we're in a bowl game. You won more games than you did last year. You improved. The team looks better. Hopefully those losses aren't blowouts. Hopefully the games you do lose, you're in them. It's close. You had a chance, this, that, the other. Seven and five? Okay, we can work with that. Let's get another recruiting class in there. Hopefully some of these guys he brought in grow grow a little bit more. Hopefully you play the transfer portal again. Hopefully maybe some of these freshmen, uh, you got a couple higher recruits that are able to come in and be day one guys. Like we've got this recruiting class this year. Maybe by Job comes in and is a day one starter and is a game one day one difference maker. Maybe Stan Rammel, the left tackle from Alabama, everybody was raving about. Maybe he comes in day one, noticeable difference on the offensive line. Okay, seven and five, we can tread some more water. We can hold off till the next season. Now, here's the thing as well: even if they do go five and seven again, even if they are beneath that eight or uh, seven game benchmark that I've personally have set, Mel's going to get another season. Mel will be the head coach no matter what happens, unless they go like zero and twelve. And everybody gets arrested or something fucking crazy. Mel Tucker will be the football coach during the 2024 season. I'm almost positive. That just, he's making too much money. The buyout's too crazy. And it is still somewhat, like, we're still kind of getting the wheels in motion on the rebuild. I think I said the day that he was hired, I think I said 2023 would be the first season where I'm, like, really starting to look for results. Where I'm setting a benchmark where it's like, Hey, you should hit this number of wins. Otherwise this thing's not going the way we thought it would. And then 2024 is the first year where it's like, not only is there a benchmark 2024 is the first year where it's beat Michigan. You should win a bunch of games. And like, we should be hanging around the big 10. I'm not saying 2024, you, you got to go win the big 10 2024 though. We better be in the running. 2024, Halloween comes around, MSU better be within arm's reach of the Big Ten championship. Like that's – that's I think that's a fair assessment. You've had four or five recruiting classes at that point. Three or four of them have been in person, Mel's there the whole time, full recruiting cycles. There's no excuses on that front. You've been able to play the transfer portal. You've been able to harvest your talent. You've been able to bring your guys in and instill your culture put in your plans, all of that shit. 2024 will be the first year where it's like seven and five. That's not going to cut it. 2024, be a good team. Have a chance at the Big Ten when Halloween comes. That will be the first year where if he's not actually successful, if we aren't fielding a good team, if we're not winning eight, nine games, then we're going to start to look around and go, all right, dude, this isn't really what anybody signed up for. If you go seven and five in 2024 – Then we got a whole nother conversation on our hands. But until then, we just got to let it play out at this point. Um, Obviously, like recruiting, if they go get some five-star QB tomorrow, I'm going to get fired up. That'll be a a fun topic to talk about. Obviously, if this class of 2024 ends up being a top 15 class, we're going to be excited. We're going to talk about it. There's going to be some hope. But at this point right now, transfer portal, people leaving, people coming, whatever you want to talk about. That shit's all irrelevant. This season right now, like where we're at for MSU, where Mel Tucker's at in his career at this stage of being the head coach at Michigan State, I could care less about what the recruiting looks like. I could care less. I mean, I don't mean that like, oh, fuck it. Get the 40th class. That doesn't matter. Obviously, I want you to have the best recruiting class possible, but I'm not going to get it, crown him anymore if he get four star top 100 pass rusher from Oklahoma I'm not crowning him. If David Stone commits tomorrow, I'm not crowning Mel Tucker. At this point, it's becoming not so much about the recruiting and building the 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 roster and all that. At this point it's becoming do you win games or do you lose games. Plain and simple. That's where we're at. That's enough Michigan State though. That's enough Michigan State. Let's talk about something a little bit happier, a little bit lighter, a little bit more friendly the Detroit football Lions, your NFC North champions, NFC contenders, Super Bowl hopefuls for the first time in my life. The Detroit fucking Lions. Had the draft over the weekend. Jameer Gibbs, Lion. Jack Campbell, Lion. Sam Laporta, Lion. Brian Branch, Lion. All the other guys, Lions. This draft, I if, <laughs> I'll tell you what, dude. <laughs> it is unfucking real. I don't think I've done a podcast. Yeah, because the draft started Thursday last week. I don't think I've ripped a podcast since the draft began, but my God, what a shit show it was on Lions Twitter. Never fails to remind me what this fan base looks like inside. Never fails to remind me how quickly people want to turn. Kind of in theme with some of these guys who are ready to bail on MSU, the the Lions fan base, dude, one day of the draft goes by. they trade back. They take Jameer Gibbs at 12. Everybody loses their mind. They've got the second pick. I think it was 18. They take middle linebacker, Jack Campbell out of Iowa. Everybody loses their mind. Second day comes around. They take the tight end, Sam Laporta. Everybody loses their mind. And then they go get Brian branch, the safety from Alabama. And everyone's like, Oh shit, this is actually a good draft. Dude. The fan base, and that we've beaten it to death. Kind of the main shitstorm surrounding this conversation has passed since then. But dude, the number of people who are just ready to be same old lions again drives me insane. The number of people who were I guarantee it, guarantee it, we're shouting, trust Brad Holmes, let Brad cook. We've got the best GM in football. He knows what he's doing. Whatever Brad has in mind. I'm fine with it. The number of people who were certainly in that camp going into draft night and then flipped like that when he took Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell is sickening. What's Brad Holmes doing? There goes all our progress. So much for thinking we were going to turn a corner. Same old Lions. The number of people that were ready to switch up. And I don't care when the national media does it. I know, we're, Detroit first everybody. We said it in the beginning. We're going to get ripped on. That's part of the deal. We're the Lions. I don't expect anyone from Philly or from Dallas or from L.A. to be like, oh, I believe in the Lions. I don't expect anyone to do that. It drives me nuts when it comes from within. It drives me nuts when it comes from people who call themselves Lions fans. It drives me nuts when a person is going to take their shirt off and whip it around at Ford Field when Jameer Gibbs scores his first touchdown this year is ripping him, is ripping Brad Holmes, is ripping the franchise, and is ripping the fan base, people like me, for defending it. That drives me fucking mad. I'll tell you what. Why can't we just see what happens? Why can't we trust that the guy, Brad Holmes, who's been nothing but great since taking over in Detroit, why can't we trust that he may have a plan? Why can't we accept that as an idea? Everybody's telling me running backs don't work. It never works drafting running backs high. Running backs don't lead to wins. Running backs are a low positional value. Okay, I understand. I understand the complaint. And I have no problem with people disagreeing with the pick. I have no problem if you're going, well, I would have taken the corner instead. Well, I would have taken the pass rusher instead. I have no problem if you would disagree with the pick. You don't love it. I do have a problem with disagreeing with the pick and then talking about how Brad Holmes actually doesn't know what he's doing, even though you for sure four hours ago were like, this guy's a genius. He's the best GM in the NFL. I have a problem with you going same old Lions. It's never going to change. Back to the dumps. I have a problem with you taking one draft pick that you may not agree with and turning it into this franchise is never going to be anything worth a shit. I have a problem with that. You see 97-1 just ripping on it. You don't fucking know. Because if the Lions go 11-6 this year and Jameer Gibbs is Alvin Kamara, he's catching passes, he's torching linebackers, he's making people miss out of the backfield, they are going to be singing a much fucking different tune. I have a problem with killing it and burying it and beating it before a single snap has even been played, before Jameer Gibbs has even put a fucking helmet on. That's what I have a problem with. I understand if you disagree. I understand if you don't value running backs. Statistically, they don't lead to winning as much as a pass rusher does, as much as a quarterback does. I understand all of that. But can we just for a second have a little bit of patience? Can we for a second have some faith that this guy who hasn't steered us wrong yet might actually know what we're doing? Can we have just a little bit? You see him in the in the conference room after they make the pick. He's smacking the table, fucking breaking Dan Campbell's ribs, almost killing Rod Wood. The guy's that excited for a reason. He's getting text messages from other league GMs. Oh, we would have moved up and taken him. Good job. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I know I did do a podcast last week in Brad Holmes We Trust. It's ringing my own bells here. I know I did do this, but I guess we'll talk about it now that I'm here, now that we're on a roll, now that I'm feeling good. Can we just have a little bit of faith? Once we made that Brian Branch pick, everybody's like, oh, it was actually a good draft. They reorder it. What if you went Jameer Gibbs, then uh, then uh, Brian Branch, then Sam Laporta, then Jack Campbell? What a great draft. Nobody would complain. I get it. Middle linebackers, they're outdated. Running backs, they don't lead the wins. Tight ends, they're not that important. Fine. We have the skeleton. Like thats I feel like people are forgetting that. We have the foundation here. We saw it last year. How do you think the Lions went 9-8 and last year? I know it was a brutal fucking start, but they started to win games. They started to beat good teams. They damn near made the playoffs if it wasn't for that fucking loser, Baker Mayfield. How do you think we got there? We dominated the line of scrimmage on offense. Jared Goff, he's a good player. He's fine. Jared Goff isn't going out and making crazy plays and bailing you out. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Josh Allen. Jared Goff was so successful because of that offensive line. DeAndre Swift, good player, nothing but the best for him in Philly. He had a lot of success because of that offensive line. Jamal Williams, love him to death, 17 touchdowns, breaks Barry's record. Offensive line, one yard. They move people. He gets in, plain and simple. On the defensive side, what was the difference between those first few weeks when we were getting torched by everybody and the last half of the year when, yeah, we weren't a lockdown defense by any means? We weren't the 85 Bears we got some stops. We forced some turnovers. They looked fucking competitive. They looked like an actual defense. And all they needed to be was okay. They didn't need to be great. They didn't need to be good. All they needed to be was, eh, they're fine. They're decent. And we started to win games because of the offense. What was the change in that? Aiden Hutchinson starts to come into his own, get after the QB. A guy named James Houston, sixth round draft pick. All of a sudden, this dude's a menace coming off the edge. Aleem McNeil is a beast. John Comiskey is making plays. Josh Pascal's finally in the lineup, an extra body in there. What was the difference? We started to win the defensive line of scrimmage a little bit more. People are forgetting that we have the framework in place. We've got the offensive line. We've got the most important piece of the puzzle on offense. We've got a pretty good defensive line. The most important piece of the puzzle on defense. And I know we didn't go and draft a corner high. We didn't go get Josh Porter Jr., although I think we probably would have if he wasn't taken by the Steelers right before us. But we did go get Emmanuel Mosley. We did go get Cam Sutton. We did go get C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Tracy Walker's going to come back. Kirby Joseph was a stud. Drafted this Brian Branch. He's probably going to play some. Jerry Jacobs is still on the team. We still went and got parts. We still upgraded the secondary. Make no mistake. If we return the same exact defense we had last year, if they were on the same page that they were the last half of the season, I would have felt decent about it. Now, I wouldn't have felt great. I wouldn't have come in like this defense is about to shut teams down. We're going to be nuts on both sides of the ball. I wouldn't have felt great more so about the fact that we just didn't make an effort to upgrade. We did. Everybody was attacking the Lions draft like, we need a fucking defensive tackle. We need secondary help. Like, we didn't just go sign three day one starter veteran corners that are going to be better than any rookie you put in there. People like to ignore that fact for whatever reason. Not really sure why. And we still went and got a guy like Brian Branch who was projected to go in the first round. People seem to like to ignore that. Don't know why. People seem to like to ignore the fact, I think I read it today, we're going to have like 19 mil after we sign all the rookies. The Lions are going to have 19 million left over in cap space. You need a defensive tackle. There you go. You want another linebacker? There you go. Having that money laying around isn't—that's not going to do anything for us. There's no like bonus. You don't get three points a game if you have 10 million in cap space left over. We're going to have an extra 19 mil to go mess around with, to go bolster the ranks even further. Maybe get another offensive lineman. Maybe go get a nose tackle. Maybe get an outside linebacker. We're going to have cash left to play over to play with to upgrade the roster even further. The skeleton, the essentials. We've got that. We've got Jared Goff who can perform behind that offensive line. Yeah, I think we upgraded. David Montgomery is better than Jamal Williams. Jameer Gibbs, DeAndre Swift, similar type player. If Jameer Gibbs stays healthy, that's an upgrade. If Jameer Gibbs is utilized as much as in the past game as I think and as everybody else thinks he will be, especially with a fucking one kind like Ben Johnson, that's probably an upgrade. The run game should be a little bit better. Yeah, Jamison Williams is suspended. Yeah, DJ Chark's gone. We went and got the wide receiver from uh, UNC late round draft pick. He might be something. Nobody thought Amon Ross St. Brown would be anything when we took him. Look at him now. Why don't we have a little bit of faith in Brad Holmes? We brought in Marvin. Fucking Christ. We brought in Marvin Jones. He'll bolster the ranks. Veteran. Ben in Detroit. Doesn't need to do anything crazy. Just needs to be a solid wide receiver number three. We've got that free agency money. Maybe we go get a wide receiver. This draft for the Lions wasn't like you need to build at the key positions. For the most part, we've kind of got the key positions nailed down. We got a couple pass rushers. We got a very good offensive line. We've got a quarterback. We've got a few weapons. We added another one with Sam Laporta. We've got weapons in the backfield. When Jamison Williams comes back, he's going to be fucking lethal. We upgraded the back end. This isn't building a team. This is rounding out a team. Everybody's freaking out. How could you take a running back? Go take a defensive tackle. Don't Go take a pass rusher. Go take a cornerback. What if Brad Holmes, rather than going and drafting a high-value position, going and drafting a defensive end that may not be a starter, that may not have as much of an impact as a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who will be a day-one starter, as a guy like Jack Campbell, who will be a day-one starter, as a guy like Sam LaPorta, who will be a day-one starter, as a guy like Brian Branch, who not probably not going to be a day-one starter, but he'll probably get some playing time, especially once the year wears on and people get hurt. He's going to see the field a little bit. Brad Holmes is looking at this not from we need to build the foundation, but we need to hang the curtains. We need to furnish the place a little bit. We need to paint the walls. We need to dress it up. We need to round it out. We've got the key ingredients. Now let's throw in a couple of, – let's throw in a little saffron. Let's pinch a cinnamon, just a clove of garlic. Let's throw in all the other things that make it smell all nice and tidy and good and be as explosive. Maximize the defensive line. Maximize the offensive line as much as possible. I like the draft. And I try. even if I – I'm not sitting here pretending to be an expert. I'm not sitting here. Oh, the value. Nobody will ever know. All the people that tell you they're experts just because they go to ESPN.com and look at their mock draft, everybody who tells you they're an expert – they don't know shit either. In a year, and two years, and three years, and five years, then we'll be able to look back at this draft and go, all right, how'd Brad do? Are these guys contributing still? Have they contributed? Have we won games? Have they played crucial role in hopefully winning an NFC North, hopefully winning a playoff game? How do you do? That's when we'll be able to accurately tell. So burying the dog out back and beating it a couple more times before you shovel the last pile of dirt a day after the picks have been made, that makes no fucking sense to me. It makes no sense to me. We've got three day one starters, and people are complaining about how we didn't upgrade. Brad Holmes, this draft was win now. Brad Holmes, this draft was let me get as many guys as possible that are going to have as big of an impact as possible. If he goes and takes Christian Gonzalez at 12, and he becomes Jeff Okuda, he just can't stay on the field, what is that? Even if Christian Gonzalez is pretty good, is he starting over Mosley? Is he starting over Sutton? Is he starting over CJ? Like, is he starting over any of these guys? Probably not. He goes and gets Jameer Gibbs. Ben Johnson has a new toy. A little bit of a reward. Thanks for sticking with us. Have fun with this. He gets uh, another weapon for Jared Goff to throw to. Maximize the offense a little bit more. One of the biggest burners in the entire draft. He goes and gets a tight end, Sam Laporta. the The most athletic tight end in the draft. Another weapon for golf. A guy hopefully can contribute blocking a little bit more. He goes and gets Jack Campbell. We haven't had a fucking linebacker that's a menace since DeAndre Levy. What was that, 2013, 2014? We haven't had a guy like Jack Campbell who's a captain of the defense who runs around making every which play you can. A guy who's an athletic freak, even though people say he's unathletic. Go look at the athletic chart. It's elite, 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 elite. We haven't had a guy like that in ages. We needed a linebacker. He went and got maybe the best linebacker in the draft. And everybody wants to freak out. Brad Holmes looked at this draft and said, we are trying to win as many games as possible this year, which means I want to upgrade as many positions as possible today. Plain and simple. And he still did a little bit of the long game on the back end. Hendon Hooker we got in the third round. I think that was brilliant. One of the better quarterbacks in college football last year. Obviously, his knee got fucking obliterated, but when he was playing, Tennessee was rolling. He made throws. Tennessee, without Hendon Hooker, they they don't have the run that they did last year. Yeah, he's 25. Yeah, he's coming off a knee injury. That shit doesn't matter, dude. Obviously, the knee, hopefully, that might matter a little bit. Hopefully, he's the same athletically and everything as he was before. 25, I don't care. He's still going to have a rookie contract. He's still going to come in and sit the bench behind Jared Goff for at least a year. None of that's changing. Even if we got C.J. Stroud at six, he's not playing year one. Bryce Young, he's not playing for us year one. No quarterback in this draft was playing for us year one. Hendon Hooker, we're going to say rest the knee up, get healthy, get used to playing football again, learn the playbook, kind of get used to being a pro, the workouts, your schedule, the work ethic, see how Jared Goff handles it, get to know the coaches, get to know the staff, get to know the players. And then next year, if you're up for it, you can be the backup. If you're better than Goff, you'll play over him. And then when Jared Goff's contract's up, again, if this thing's going the way we think it will, I said this when it related to CJ Stroud, if this thing's going the way we think it will and hope it should, Goff's hopefully still playing well. We're still scoring a lot of points. We're winning a bunch of games. Jared Goff, he probably wants a big payday. Jared Goff probably wants another fat contract. He's not from Detroit. I don't think he's going to take a hometown discount. Hendon Hooker, you're the guy. on the rookie contract. You've had a year or two to mature, to learn the system. You weren't thrown into the fire where nobody shattered your confidence. We let you rehab that knee all the way. You were never rushed back. Jared Goff wants 30 mil a year. That's not going to happen. Hendon, it's your team. And maybe Hendon will be the long-term answer. Maybe he comes in, the guy's unbelievable, and we got our quarterback for eight more years. Or maybe, you know, he's all right. He's Jared Goff again. We've got him for two years, and we go draft another one. Maybe that's the case. But if this thing goes the way it's supposed to, we're not getting Caleb Williams. We're not getting Drake May. We're not getting a top-ten pick for the next few years. I love the Hendon-Hooker move. He attacked the draft as a win now. He attacked the draft to round out the roster today. He attacked the draft to upgrade as many positions as he possibly could. And at the same time, he made an investment for the future. Low risk, high reward investment. It was beautiful. We got rid of Swift. Not going to have to commit any money to him. People saying that too, like they traded Swift for a fifth round pick and drafted Jameer Gibbs. How does that make any sense? What the fuck do you mean? First off, I love DeAndre Swift. When he was healthy, the guy was electric. Nobody can deny that. But he wasn't healthy all the time. Even at the second half of this season, when he was playing, you could tell he was banged up. He didn't want to go up the middle. He didn't really want to finish runs. He was bouncing outside. He was always trying to make people miss. Not really lowering the shoulder as frequently. Guy had injury problems. He's going to want to get paid his contracts up. Now we got a guy who maybe is more electric, certainly is more versatile than Jameer Gibbs. A guy who can make you miss and do all the same things I think DeAndre Swift could out of the backfield, but now can line up in the slot, can line up outside and be a weapon in the passing game. And he's on a rookie contract for the next four years. What do you mean that that move makes no sense? That move makes all of the sense in the world. You've got a weapon for four more years that's on a rookie deal, as opposed to paying a guy who gets hurt a bunch 10 million, 8 million, 9 million, whatever else he would have wanted per year. Now you can use that money like we just mentioned. Go get a defensive tackle. Go get another corner if you want. Go get a wide receiver. Go get an offensive. Go get whoever. Now you've got 19 more million. You don't need to give DeAndre eight. Now you've got 19. You don't have 11. You got 19. And you still got a dynamic playmaker in Jameer Gibbs. I like the draft. I don't know how people shit on it so hard. And, you know, it it just is the Lions fan base at this point. Like, we've come to know that. There's just people – who are fans of the team who seemingly get geeked up to tell you why the Lions are going to stink, who seemingly get excited to do the same old Lions routine, who seemingly are waiting for every single step anybody in the organization makes to tell you why it's never going to change. There's fans that get excited over that shit. I'll never understand it. I'll never be about it. I'll never endorse those people, but it is what it is. People comparing Brad Holmes to Bob Quinn. He thought Jelani Tavai was a steal when he reached for him. How the fuck are you going to compare Bob Quinn to Brad Holmes? And I'm not saying no GM can ever make a mistake. I'm not saying just because Brad Holmes has been good so far, he'll never make a mistake. Maybe Jameer Gibbs will be a big flop. Maybe. I don't know. But you don't think he's earned the benefit of the doubt? You don't think he's earned the right for us fans to at least hear him out, to at least watch these guys play a few games? To at least see what the 2023 Detroit Lions look like before we condemn him and the entire draft class, and back to condemning the organization. You don't think Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, you know the culture change, everything that's happened since they took over. You don't think that's earned the right for us to wait until Week Four to see if this team's three and one before we pile on Jameer Gibbs. You don't think they've earned that right? Like that seems a little crazy to me. That seems too negative. I get the hesitancy. I get disagreeing with the running back at twelve. I feel like these guys have the benefit of the doubt at this point, though. I don't know. Anyways, appreciate everybody had to get or appreciate appreciate everybody listening. <laughs> Hope you had a phenomenal weekend. Hope you have a phenomenal week. Um, I don't know. I might be back on this feed Friday. I'm not really certain now that you know the portal stuff. I think the portals back closed, so I don't know if there's going to be any MSU football news basketball's out of season, the draft is over, so the Lions are about to hibernate until like August. I don't know. I don't know if we'll do an episode Friday. This might be the one for the week. If it is, I appreciate you listening. Regardless, I'm going to be on the Have Fun Club feed. We're doing the comedy feed. Check that out, talking about general stuff. I'm going to do the Coachella recap, just talking about random shit, having some fun, getting away from sports a little bit, and just letting it fucking fly, buddy. So check that out. Also, 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 before I forget, if you're still here, Friday, Jack and Ja, the first round pick collection. Jack Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, we made a design, it's gas. Don't miss it. God forbid, don't miss it. Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, thesecondstring.com. Be on the lookout for that. Um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the support. I'll catch you guys next time.